It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It is another edition of This Week in Fantasy as we dive into the week three slate. So let's not belabor it. Let's dive in. And as always, I'd like to welcome in my buddy. My pal, you can follow his work over at footballguys.com and follow him on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Sigmund Bloom. What's up, brother? You know, just trying to keep our head above water. It's been chaotic. You know, it really, it feels like we're out on a battlefield. You know, we see one grenade get lobbed in and, and blow something up and we celebrate and then we look beside us and someone steps on a landmine and loses their arm so you know. <laughs> literally and figuratively almost right? right we're just we're just trying to make it to the other side but that's what's great about fantasy football you know it rewards perseverance it rewards caring it rewards giving a shit see i'm gonna I, you've opened the door thank now. god love it yeah bring yeah. it my friend so, and that's why because it's a long hard slog I'm so with you, man. And then last week, really, uh, I don't remember a week two as bloody, so to speak, especially for some seriously prominent NFL-type figures. We'll obviously dive into it all as we go. For those who don't know, Sigmund and I dive through every single game on the slate, and then later on we'll have a little fun going inside the soul of Sigmund Bloom. All right, Sigmund, let's start off with the Thursday night clash. Not a particularly sexy matchup, and I don't know if there's a ton of fantasy goodness in this one, but the Tennessee Titans head in to take on the Gardner Minshew-led Jacksonville Jaguars. What do you think about this one? Yeah, 40 in there, putting sexy in with Gardner Minshew. (laughs) Um, Hey, I call it like I see it, Sigmund. Yeah, right. Hey, it's okay. Hey, Maybe one thing that could come out of fantasy football and all of us men spending time together is being able to open up a little more about some feelings. Um, Look, you play Derrick Henry. You don't play anyone else from this passing game. Uh, if you ha- you're you going to play Leonard Fournette on volume, but he may not score a touchdown this year. I don't know. But he's still going to get four catches and 15 carries a week. Uh, and then you have, if you are going to play Minshew, who, you know, some of us might be having backup quarterback envy <laughs> with from the Jaguars now watching him play because the game's not too big for him. And someone like DJ Chark or Chris Conley, not so much D.D. Westbrook, has some value as a low-end wide receiver three flex type. But 
yeah, this one's going to be boring. I mean, even the game last year when Derrick Henry stomped on the Jags' faces, it was still boring, even though it had some moments that we'll remember. There's a lot of games like that this week, James, but there's also Baltimore and Kansas City. You're damn right about that, Stephen. There are a lot of games like that. We'll have to slog through some of them. So let's get to the Sunday slate and start that slog as we get to a uh, – Man, if uh, I don't know if it gets less sexy than Tennessee Jacksonville, but Cincinnati and mm. Buffalo is pretty close, Sigmund. Yeah, right. Um, these, you know, actually, there's some interesting layers here. Uh, Cincinnati is going to pass, 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 even when they're down 31 points. So you're going to Tyler Boyd's a wide receiver one for fantasy right now, getting all these targets, getting open at will, and. Andy Dalton, people lost their quarterback or otherwise, you know, looking for some respite. Uh, he might help because of the attitude of this offense. Maybe not so much Joe Mixon or Giovanni Bernard. This is a replay of 2017 when they can't get any kind of push. Um, you know, and again, John Ross got the 66 yarder, I think, in garbage time. But the fact that they're still going for those plays in garbage time makes you more likely to play him. Tyler Eifert still has a pulse, which is more than we can say for some fantasy tight ends. On the Buffalo side, this is a pretty cut and dry. Now, remember, we don't really know if Buffalo's offense is any good. You know, they were good when the, they played the Jets without C.J. Mosley for a little bit. They were good against the Giants, but you know, we'll hopefully see Jameis Winston. Spoiler alert: bounce back against them. Uh, Cincinnati's defense also probably not good. Three fantasy running backs were relevant against them last week, so I don't know who's going to start for Buffalo. Uh, probably, I mean, Frank Gore's probably going to start. Who's going to get most of the carries right now? Devin Singletary stay today. If Gore gets the start, he's a running back too. He'll probably get 19, 20 carries and a touchdown or two. Um, other, but if Singletary can play, maybe Singletary is the better play here. Of course, you're going to play John Brown. Cole Beasley has some wide receiver three flex appeal because of the Cincinnati defense. Uh, and pay. Buffalo can go to 3-0 and before they have to try to face the Death Star in week four. Yeah, how about that? Um, Frank Gore, man, how long has he just been mucking up fantasy backfields yeah. for people. He's 36, which is 72 in running back it's years. unbelievable, man. And especially after the first couple of years of his career, it looked like he was never going to be able to stay healthy and now yeah. a paragon of staying on the field. All right, this next one, probably not a ton to say. I feel like I know what you're going to say here, right. but let's do it anyway. Miami heads into Dallas. It's right, a 21 right. and a half point underdog segment. So Cecil and I have decided on our show, James, that when we have to break down the Miami game, we're just going to do something else, like maybe a movie review, maybe <laughs> a personal anecdote. That's outstanding. Because, yeah, because that's basically what's going to happen here. So, you know, Sony Michelle and Antonio Brown, who appears, it's Antonio Brown's going to play unless people get too upset about it. So it looks like he's going to still play. So they're at the front of the line. And then if you have a Josh Gordon, an Edelman, a James White, a Rex Burkhead, and of course you're going to play Tom Brady. Um, oh, wait. You said Dallas and Miami. I'm thinking of last week's <laughs> Dallas. I've already had to buy. See, we can do Dallas, Miami, and New England and the Jets in one take, right? I love it. Let's do it. Skipping ahead. So, so that let's, was your New England. Let's bring them together. The two, uh, the two twi- right. You got right. confused by the other 21 and a half point spread. What the hell is Exactly. Like? Exactly. So, and then with the Jets, you're going to play Le'Veon Bell because he's going to get like 30 touches in that game. I don't know how long he's going to last doing that. Dallas and Miami, without Michael Gallup, you know, add some wrinkles here. But you're going to play Dak Prescott, obviously, and Zeke and Amari Cooper. And then guys like Randall Cobb and Devin Smith. Welcome back, Devin Smith. How to Ohio it? State. Yeah. Was that a second-round pick back in the day? Yeah, and his knee blew up, but uh, he's back now. And these Ohio State receivers are taking over the NFL. So guys like Cobb and... Um, Smith become more interesting here. Smith's the best deep threat in that offense, and he'll continue to have a role even when Gallup is back. And then you have Jason Witten, two touchdowns in two games. 
can make it three in three games very easily in this one. So yeah, again, that Dak Prescott, you know, we'll talk about Lamar Jackson. Like, do we know if these quarterbacks are really that good based on the defenses they faced in week two? Week one, well, week three, it's not going to get any harder. Yeah, the Dallas defense definitely. A, any defense facing Miami is a, a clearly good play, it yes. appears. And uh, um, the Devin Smith thing is interesting just when you look league ground. We talked about John Ross, but it does seem like, you know, speedsters this year have been a, a big focus early on. The Terry McLaurins, we just, uh, you know, obviously Kansas City State. does what they do. Yeah, ditch on Jackson week one. It's been interesting. All right, uh, Sigmund, uh, this is an interesting game as the 0-2 Broncos head in to face the 2-0 Packers, but a Packers offense that just hasn't seemed like they had one quarter where they were good. They haven't seemed to be get it going. And then the Aaron Jones thing, Aaron Jones, a thousand times better than Jamal Williams, but Matt LaFleur right. seems committed to keeping Jamal Williams involved. What do you think about this game in this situation? I think it's going to be an ugly game. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers looks good. They have to take the foot off the gas. And Minnesota's defense played better as the game went on last week. But you like Aaron Rodgers in this one. Denver's been good at home against Mitchell Trubisky. That's their big merit badge so far this year. So I think Rodgers in Lambeau can get going here. Devontae Adams looks as good as ever. Aaron Jones looks fantastic. And whatever Matt LaFleur says, keep him in your lineup. He looks great as a receiver, too, and getting used a lot as a receiver. Marcus Valdez-Gantling's still going to get downfield looks, okay? And it's going to be interesting here to see also, last week Denver had uh, Chris Harris follow Allen Robinson around. Novel idea to have your best cornerback on the best wide receiver. So if they do that with Devontae Adams, I'm not saying to bench Devontae Adams, but it makes a Marcus Valdez-Gantling a better play. Javano Allison had a touchdown last week, but otherwise you know, he had fumbled and didn't run well on his other touches. He was more of a dump-off. So... I think that Valdez-Scantling is the guy to look at here among the secondary receivers. And then Jimmy Graham. I mean, there's three or four teams in every fantasy league, James, that are just like, who am I going to start at tight end this week? Jimmy Graham is as good as anybody else because Denver can't defend the tight end. I think they gave up like seven catches to tight ends last week against Chicago. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting play, Jimmy Graham. Look, like you said, all you want is a touchdown. Oh, and, Just get me a touchdown Joe, and tight end. And I'm sorry, I, I, Joe Flacco. Like I, it's like I, I was I blacked out on Joe Flacco. Yeah, I did. Joe Flacco. I would never. Don't yeah, ever well, mention his name in fantasy ever again, Sigmund. Right. Well, and play Manuel Sanders because you can really see that dependability coming through at the end of that game. And, and Flacco's going to Sanders. Um, Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay are a committee and probably a losing backfield, a losing game. So I don't know about that. We did see Minnesota and the speedy uh, Dalvin Cook make some lanes against this Green Bay defense. So maybe Philip Lindsay, but you're probably staying away from the Denver backfield this week. Yeah, I'm with you. It's amazing. Emmanuel Sanders back and looks so good. Already. All right, Sigmund, another interesting one from a fantasy perspective is there are certainly players on both these teams who will be in starting lineups this week, but um, it's it just a weird game, it feels like to me. The Falcons coming in off the win over the Eagles on Sunday night, heading into fake, face a one and one Jacoby Brissett led Colts, who right. very much, if their kicker had not, you know, had his, seems like he's finally showing his age for the first time, they'd probably be 2 and 0. What do you think about this one, Sig? Yeah, you, you would think. Um, it's, you say weird, James. And basically, like, what's the NFL look like this year? It's just six or seven good teams. There's six or seven terrible teams. And then we're not really sure about the in between. And this is the in between. The whole NFC and AFC South is full of in between. So, you know, some, somebody's got to win these divisions. Uh, and this is a game between maybe two the two favorites. I don't know. Somebody's got to be a favorite, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Indy's defense is tough, so you're lowering expectations a little bit for Atlanta. You're still probably playing Matt Ryan. You're definitely playing Julio and Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley really might surpass Julio as a fantasy entity this year, which doesn't mean that Julio is going to take a big step back. You know, Austin Hooper is only good whenever Matt Ryan's struggling. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, this week, although, again, Indy's defense should not be underrated, Devontae Freeman looks mortal and that doesn't mean to run out and get Edo Smith but you may see a committee here you're not looking at either one of them on the indie side it's pretty simple T.Y. Hilton's going to get a, enough targets especially in the red zone to be relevant although if you're breaking ties and thinking am I going to go against T.Y. Hilton I mean we see that he has a limited upside compared to when he was getting those deep balls from Andrew Luck Marlon Mack still got 20 carries as long as this team's competitive they're going to keep leaning on him and remember Minnesota sliced and diced the Atlanta run defense uh linebackers taking bad angles, making poor decisions. That sounds like something that could lead to a few big Marlon Mack plays, so I still would stick with Marlon Mack this week. Eric Ebron dropped a touchdown week one, caught one in week two. That's not bad for a fantasy tight end. Maybe he'll catch one this week. Uh, This is still a very boring offense. Probably a game, you know, these NFC South, AFC South games, we're seeing it. What was it last week, James? AFC South showdowns were 14, 13, 12, and 19, 17. Yep. And the Carolina-Tampa game was what, like 2014 or something like that? These are the kind of games we're looking at whenever there's these South versus South battles. Yeah, no, and I think that, look, I mean, that's kind of what the the Sunday night game felt like. I know Atlanta got to 24 points, but it felt like an ugly kind of, you know, and that was with the Eagles obviously missing their their Eagles entire should have got team. to 27. Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, yeah, you think? Nelson Aguilar just hangs on to the fucking football segment. All right, speaking yeah. of which... Let's talk about my severely depleted Eagles. I think it's a really interesting, obviously it's an important game for the Eagles at home against Detroit, but I think an interesting fantasy spot too because Deshaun Jackson's definitely not going to play. Alshon Jeffrey is definitely not going to play. Dallas Goddard is almost definitely not going to play. How do you kind of gauge this this Eagles spot? Sure, okay. And this is one where I might, we might, Simmer on this one for a little bit because I'm going to use this opportunity to talk to somebody who's uh, immersed in Eaglesdom. Oh, who's to that? Check, check my. You know, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm uh, kidding. And I've got to watch out with this, this with the cursing because I might like like let it off. Start the, getting the, loose the it. And and then then go back to my show and have Cecil. Like, we we did <laughs> we did have a we did have an outburst or two last Thursday night though for people that watch our live show it didn't make it through to the podcast. Anyway, um, you know you're diminishing your expectations for Carson Wentz to an extent. Although he's going to remain aggressive. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is basically the number one receiver this week. And I think you're going to stick with him because I thought Mac Hollins and JJ Arthago Whiteside just looked a little, especially the rookie, looked yeah. a little overwhelmed. And I wonder if you know, you're looking like real deep, you know, GPP play, like 0% owned kind of play, or you're really rubbing two sticks together for a flex play in PBR. I wonder if Darren Sproles might not play a key role in the passing game in this one, not just as a running back. And then that could open up some more opportunity for Miles Sanders or Jordan Howard. And what's interesting here about the Sanders and Howard thing is the fork in the road of, yeah, Sanders offers so much in terms of physical ability, but he's so undisciplined as a runner. Mm-hmm. You wonder how many, y- how many yards is he leaving on the field that Jordan Howard would just put his head down and get the four or five yards that are there. Sigmund, and even now, just to cut uh, in, even Mike Groh, offense coordinator, said that in his press conference yeah. uh, yesterday said, you know, there are certainly times, and he said it in a somewhat diplomatic way because they're coaches, but he basically said there are times we want him to hit the hole and he's dancing around. Yeah, well, in, in, in this game, in, with the depleted passing game, 
And of course, Zach Ertz is going to catch like 15 balls in this game. All right. I mean, the deep you're setting your line. I mean, Ertz versus Kelsey is an interesting DFS call. But anyway, and you just, is this not the game? You gave up like couch cushion change to get Jordan Howard. This is the game to get him 20 or 25 carries behind this line. Because Detroit is perfectly fine with a low scoring game. Detroit's not going to let it all hang out here. So I'm, you know, there's, I could see a way that Howard comes through in this one. I could see a way that Sproles comes through in this one. On the Detroit side, uh, Matthew Stafford's playing well. So, you know, you know all too well the secondary. So you break ties in favor of Kenny Galladay. You break ties in favor of Marvin Jones. Even TJ Hawkinson. How about making that guy a point of emphasis in the game plan? Detroit, Daryl Bevel. You're going to throttle the life out of another fantasy tight end before our, our very <laughs> eyes. After He gave after, us a glimpse. Know, yeah, after one week that looked so beautiful. And, of course, there's on Johnson. Now, C.J. Anderson gets released. So Ty Johnson, the rookie, is second up for carries now. Uh, does that maybe give a little bit more to on Johnson? We could hope. The dude is just a badass. Please give him more work. I know the Philadelphia fans are going to get tired of seeing him in this game. So and this is two of those weird teams, right, James? Like, not are they not, not bad. They're not good. You know, Detroit maybe should have lost – Arizona maybe should have beat Arizona. Maybe should have lost to the Chargers. Maybe should have beat the Chargers. You know, the Eagles maybe should have lost to Washington. Maybe should have beat them. Maybe should have lost to you know. Mm-hmm. Ah, I mean, I don't. I feel like we're not going to know these teams any better after this game. No, I honestly think you don't know this Eagles team for a few more weeks, especially without the weapons that they have. So much of the offense was built around those weapons. Well, and Jernigan and Jackson. Oh my God! I mean, yeah, no, massive. Especially losing Jackson for the season, then Jernigan for four to six right after. No, there. There are real issues on the team that they need to figure out. Granted, last year they did a great job of dealing with a bunch of injuries and it all coalescing together by the end of the season in the secondary that was a disaster in that Saints game. Looked really good getting them into the playoffs and winning that game against the Bears. So, um, yeah, I I think they're in a a tough spot from injury perspective. Uh, I think you hit on the perfect thing. And look, the O-line looked awful against the Falcons. It's the worst game we've seen a really good offensive line play in a few years here as it's mostly the same guys there. Um, I think that's going to be a point of emphasis. I think that, like you said, I think Jordan Howard, run the football, run the ball, help Carson out. Again, I think if you're taking a, a DFS flyer on a on an Eagles wide receiver, I think it's Matt Collins over J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Yes. As you impl- like, he looked, the, the rookie looked lost. Like, just, like, he didn't know what to do. And obviously, being thrown in, that's tough, but... Uh, I definitely think Holland has a better chance to maybe give you a, a you know a few catches and a potential touchdown or something than anyone else there. But I, I think you kind of nailed it. Otherwise, all right, Sigmund, one more game in the one o'clock slate before we get to talk about the really fun one. So let's get Oakland and Miami, uh, Oakland and Minnesota out of the way. What yeah. do you think about this one? Yeah, you know Minnesota at home defense should be good. Um, you're going to play Darren Waller probably because you know tight end and even Josh Jacobs is. In Tyrell Williams, you know, they're maybe below the cut line when you're putting your lineup together, depending on your choices. On the Minnesota side, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, and more Dalvin Cook. Uh, Stephon Diggs is getting free deep, but how many targets is he going to get? You're still going to play Adam Thielen, but you're lowering expectations here. If everything goes as planned, Minnesota wants to throw the ball 15 times in this game. Probably against Oakland, things will go as planned. Yeah, I'm with you. I, it's a, what a... Mike Zimmerman, he's a, a unique dude. All right, let's move on to the 4 o'clock slate of games as the mediocre games continue, Sigmund. And this one, I don't even think we can call mediocre. A potential Cam Newtonless Carolina Panthers heading in to take on the uh, up-and-down Kyler Murray-led Arizona Cardinals. Some interesting fantasy things in this one, especially if Newton's out with the Arizona offense. How do you yeah. kind of view this one? 
Yeah, your angle here is that Kyle Allen, who would start. Oh, yeah, of course, right? Uh, He beat out Kyler Murray in uh, at Texas A&M. on the Carolina side, you had this circled as a get-right game for Cam. I don't think he's going to play. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he misses more than just one game. And I think it's mental as much as physical right now. Um, even if Cam plays, you don't trust him. Kyle Allen might make it honestly a, a little bit better pass offense. You know, you might you might like your Curtis Samuel start better with Kyle Allen because he's getting open downfield. Although the offensive line has to give him time to throw. DJ Moore, short range, you know, PPR play. He's going to stay there. Greg Olson might be a guy who's hurt by Newton being out because of the chemistry between them. And then we'll see what they do with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, obviously you're playing him, maybe not necessarily in your DFS lineups uh, just because of the unpredictability here, despite the favorable matchup and the way that the Arizona games and their pace are going to add possessions for the opponents on the Arizona side. This is getting better faster than anticipated. Kyler Murray's doing the Kyler Murray is doing a great job taking care of the ball. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk are every week starts, and I think that it's going to be interesting. It's so interesting how, because they're doing so many four wide sets, James, you know, you look at James Bradbury and Dante Jackson, ooh, these tough corners, but now you're getting that fourth corner on the field so often, you're going to, so it doesn't matter how good your depth chart is at the top against the Cardinals. Just need to beat one guy. Exactly. Love it. Uh, so, you know, Demir Bird is the guy in there. Maybe we'll be watching David Johnson and his wrist. You're probably going to play him anyway. But this is something just to why they work out some running backs. Probably just, you know, keeping the speed dial updated for guys to call off the street. Um, so just something to track here. But I do think Kyler Murray going back home. I think you're going to see, you know, Baltimore's defense is no pushover. And they looked much better against Baltimore's defense than they did in the first three quarters against Detroit's defense. And I think they're going to look better this week than they did last week. And this is going to be a really fun story to track and really fun if you have Cardinals on your fantasy team. I am saving the last one o'clock game. I skipped to the four o'clocks. We're saving it. We're saving it yeah, for yeah. the end segment. Um, yes. Okay. It's save the best for last. That's what we do here. Uh, or at least until we get to the night games. All right, segment. You teased it before. Yeah. The Giants heading into Tampa Bay. Is this the week that Jameis Winston owners finally don't hate that they put him in their lineup? Right. Yeah, but to the tune of like 220 and two touchdowns or something. I mean, it's clear to me that Byron left, which, and look, again, this NFC South is totally up for grabs. So it would make sense with Jameis Winston to say, you know, slow in the driveway. We're just going to do safe throws. You know, we're going to throw to Chris Godwin. We're going to not throwing in the middle of the field where uh, it's A.J. Howard who's not creating separation. We're not throwing a lot of 50-50 balls to Mike Evans anymore. We're running the ball with Peyton Barber a lot. And it is a bad Giants defense, so this is that last chance for O.J. Howard. Last chance for Jameis Winston. Yes, you're playing Chris Godwin. I don't want to say last chance for Mike Evans, but you know, in any given week, you can still have that big play for you. But we're lowering expectations there. Um, and even for Ronald Jones, because I think that Peyton Barber, as boring as he is, he's dependable. It's a catnip for coaches, you know, runs hard, doesn't fumble, you know, doesn't dance the opposite of Miles Sanders, right? I mean, that's that can win games when you have a Todd Bowles defense. So speaking of the Todd Bowles defense, welcome to the NFL, Daniel Jones. So maybe Tampa's defense, you have to pick someone up off the waiver wire this week. And yeah, Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram, and you know that's it until we. Well, I don't know. Sterling Shepard hasn't cleared concussion protocol yet that I know of. He may be back for this game. I'm still not rushing him in. And Daniel Jones' first game, it'll be interesting to see if you know, putting him in against some of these matchups that are going to get pretty tough over the next month or so ends up being good. So he learns on the job. 
or ends up being bad because he looks overwhelmed. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I'm I'm guessing the latter more likely. And yeah, this Tampa defense ain't preseason. No, exactly, Sigmund. He's not facing second and third stringers. Um, and this Tampa D is better than at least looks better than I expected to be. Certainly not one of the most fearsome in the league, but. It doesn't look as they're like as they're as awful as I expected them to be. So I think this will be an interesting first test. All right, uh, this game's actually all right <laughs> considering the level of games we've been talking about. Sigmund, the Houston Texans heading in to face the Chargers seems like a marquee matchup this week. Yeah, well, again, this is another one like that Philly Detroit game. You know, do we even understand these teams? Do these teams understand themselves? Sean Watson, elite fantasy quarterback, he got another receiver, and last week he was a total dud. Now. The Chargers have some holes on defense, but they have an pass rushers up front to exploit that use offensive line, which makes me think Carlos Hyde, like 20 Carlos Hyde carries again. I mean, unless the Chargers pull away, probably you like DeAndre Hopkins, but probably not anybody else from this passing game. And you're you're wary about Sean Watson. You're probably still going to play him unless you have an obviously better choice on the Chargers side. Uh, Philip Rivers is going to be a mediocre fantasy quarterback, but he's going to hook up uh, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. You know, these guys are going to be automatic starts. And otherwise, we did see Mike Williams make a few good plays downfield. If he's feeling a little bit better, it's the Houston secondary. So that might be one to get a little frisky with and try to get him in there to see if he can get a touchdown or a big play downfield to help you over the top. You know, but again, this is a game, James, like at the end, we'll look at whoever won and look at the team that lost and say, how did the team that lost win and how did the team that win lost that's just the nature of the chargers yeah i'm so i mean the chargers just feel they feel snake pit it's unbelievable year after year after year after year and uh, i think you're right with the general overall narrative of not knowing who these teams are and i think that's part of the nfl these days you know just the way the league set up with with uh incentivizing young players to play and lack of continuity year to year and all that i think it, it takes teams a month or so to really kind of start to to become who they want to be, and then you add in injuries and all that, and that can slow the process and all that. All right, two more games on the 4 o'clock slate segment. Let's start with another solid one, at least. Would have been a lot more fun if a certain 40-plus-year-old quarterback had not Uh gotten injured, but Teddy Bridgewater will lead the New Orleans Saints into Seattle to face the 2-0 Seahawks squad. Interesting game here. A lot of fantasy-relevant players, but Teddy Bridgewater mucks it up a little bit. What do you think about this? And Taysom Hill. And oh, yeah, good Sean point, Payton. actually. Cause, yeah, Sean Payton has been uh, a little cagey. Well, they asked him how many snaps is he going to get as the number two. He said, why do you think he's going to be the yeah, number two? Yeah, interesting. Which makes sense, right? Um, you're still lowering expectations for the New Orleans offense across the board. You're playing Alvin Kamara. You're playing Michael Thomas. You're lowering your expectations. Uh, Hill becomes interesting if he becomes, you know, if Hill gets 30 or 40 snaps as a quarterback and he's running on 10 of those, uh, you know, all of a sudden, he becomes interesting for those two quarterback super flex leagues. Then, if he's playing some tight end or wide receiver H back the rest of the time, so, I mean, we haven't really had a commodity like him in fantasy yet. Uh, New Orleans defense is is game, and you know this is the, the narrative too. We'll talk about the other four o'clock game where it's like, well, come on, defense, you got to pick it up. When you don't have the quarterback. Still going with Russell Wilson. Still going with Tyler Lockett. Uh, I, I we'll see what they try to do with Lockett. I think if Lock- Marshawn Lattimore's on Lockett. New Orleans is kind of wasting Lattimore. I mean, I think Lattimore can probably handle DK Metcalf. And then we'll see what they do. Maybe bracket Tyler Lockett. Maybe it's another Will Disley game. The other thing we'll be watching here is, you know, you're going to play Chris Carson. Fumbles. If he fumbles again in this game, we're putting him on the fumble plank. You know, we might be pushing him out to see for Rashad Penny. 
in this one. So it's another game that's, you know, setting up like a 2017, 17, 16 kind of game, maybe down to the end. No, no beast quake in this one. We miss you, Marshawn. Oh, do we ever, man? Do we ever? All right. Uh, one more game of the four o'clock slate, Sigmund. It is for those who listen to the pod, of course, know this Sigmund squad and a lot going on with Sigmund squad. So a little tease yeah. here as there will be something big, bad and related a little bit later in the show. Oh, so good. let's focus on the Mason Rudolph part of it. And we'll sure. get to big sure. Ben. What do you think about the Steelers heading in to take on a, a surprisingly two and 49 49ers squad? Yeah. And it's probably three, and zero. Um, oh, the Steelers oh, trade away. The Steelers trade away their first round I pick. Come on. Look, look, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. This is one of those magic, and I love magical thinking. You know, we're going to be okay, but maybe we're not. I mean, I, I'm the children of alcoholics, so I was telling myself, well, I'm going to be okay for like my whole life. But then sometimes <laughs> you're, sometimes you're not okay. But look on the San Francisco side, um, Matt Breida. The Steelers run defense is tough, but you're still going to play Matt Breida as a flex, Raheem Mostert as a flex, even Jeff Wilson as a what the heck flex because it sounds like he's going to still get goal line carries. And we'll see about Dante Pettis getting a foothold, but you like Marquise Goodwin. The Steelers' defense is subject to the breakdowns in the back end, and Debo Samuel looked really good, and Jimmy Garoppolo looked good last week. So you're even liking him as a second quarterback, super flex, or you had to go to the waiver wire to replace, say, Ben Roethlisberger. Now, I'm going to try to be balanced here. As a Steelers fan, I'm neurotic. I'm in a dark place. But at the same time, I feel like, well, now that Ben Roethlisberger is no longer the quarterback, maybe they can... Run an offense. Ooh. Have plays that Ooh. go as designed, right? Use play action. You know, you use the plays that are created by the offensive coordinator to have advantages on the defense. What a novel concept. <laughs> um, I'm not playing Mason Run. San Francisco's defense looks decent. I mean, it's been Jameis Winston, but, you know, they made Andy Dalton look pretty. I must have said Andy Warhol because I got Pittsburgh on the mind as mm. we're talking. Steel. Andy Warhol Museum is one of the best museums to go to in the whole country, by the way. Uh, so, you know, you're going to play James Conner. He looks like his knee's fine. You're going to play Juju. Watch James Washington, because Mason Rudolph and James Washington played together at Oklahoma State. And he just had a real good sense, Mason Rudolph did, of knowing that heat zone, that you just put the ball above the rim and, and Washington goes and gets it, even though he's like 5'11". Uh, so we'll watch that. We'll watch what he does. Maybe not start him yet, but be open to him taking off with the new quarterback. And yeah, the Steelers, you know, doing their whole like was over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I am. I was definitely shocked they traded it first there. After it'd be one thing if they traded it before the Ben injury, but after the Ben, I was. Really surprised. We'll get to more Ben coming up. All right. Uh, we still have the, the night game and the Monday night game to get to, but we've made people wait long enough, Sigmund. Yeah. Let's go back in time. Let's go back to the 1 o'clock slate. The game yeah. of the week by Miles, the Baltimore Ravens heading into Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. What are you expecting out of the Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes duel, segment? Yeah, this is going to be fun. And maybe not a duel at all. Although, on the Baltimore side, you're playing Lamar Jackson. You're playing Marquise Brown. You're playing Mark Andrews. But it doesn't it just make sense to run the ball? Now, when we had this matchup last yeah, year, one of the best games of the year. keep off the field and stuff. Yep. Right? Yep. And this Baltimore offensive line just made massive size holes. But HOV lanes for Gus the Bus. You know, I mean, they were mowing down the Kansas City defense in the running game. And wouldn't it just make sense to try to do that again in this one? And you, so you like Mark Ingram for that reason. And we'll see about Justice Hill. You know, maybe the, this is where you unleash him. Uh, on the Kansas City side, 
so you know, here's the update: regression, ha ha ha. Because last year, you know, Jacksonville, Mahomes doesn't throw a touchdown. This year, he did pretty well against Jacksonville. I think I don't know. It's already been a couple. Of no, weeks, he did well. Remember. He had a very good uh, week: three yeah, touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, it was awesome. In like the first half. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, and then the one he missed to Kelsey, which was just his oh game. yeah, yeah. And then you so, know, no biggie. Just you know, four touchdowns right. in a quarter the next week. Whatever. He struggled against Baltimore last year. He made a fourth down play, which is just another one of those how-did-he-do-it plays. And Tyreek Hill was banged up in this game last year, too. They still somehow beat Baltimore in this game, even though Baltimore really outplayed them for the whole game. So expecting Mahomes to take a big step forward from that, even without Tyreek Hill, who looks like he's going to be back sooner than later, by the way. They said he was dribbling a basketball around in the locker room, so that doesn't sound like a guy with a messed-up shoulder. Anyway... You, you, so we have some questions here. I mean, you're going to play Sammy Watkins. You're going to play Travis Kelsey. You, err on the side of playing Demarcus Robinson and Michael Hardman. You know, maybe you get one catch for 15 yards, but maybe you get six for 172 and two touchdowns. Baltimore defense is down Jimmy Smith, and of course they lost their slot corner, Tavon Young, in the preseason. So there's going to be some players to be picked on there. The backfield's a total question mark right now. Damian Williams didn't practice Wednesday. LaShawn McCoy was limited. Darwin Thompson, make sure you're carrying him at least to see what happens. And any week now with these guys banged up could be the Darwin Thompson coming out party. So, yeah, this is a really exciting game. And, of course, this is a game that's in the bracket to see who's our hope to blow up the Death Star. Yeah, you're telling me this is, uh, this is important. As a Steelers fan, it's, I'm conflicted because I hate feeling myself rooting for Baltimore. But as soon as Roethlisberger went down, I thought, okay, Baltimore – yeah, well, I mean, as much as, as, as we hate our division rivals, someone has to take down the Patriots. Would you root for the Cowboys no, if they play no, Patriots in no, the Super Bowl? No, 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 Were you happy to see Eli Manning beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl? I was. So that was different. Um, so there you go. The Cowboys are a special thing. Like the, I will, I would root, I would root against the Cowboys versus any team in all of sports. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. So that's fair. And some of it's because of Jerry Jones, but the thing uh, like the the Cowboys and the Eagles are kind of like the Cowboys and the Steelers in the seventies or even the nineties Super Bowl, where there's such a contrast in the nature of the city and the, and the vibe of the team, the Steelers and Ravens. What's weird is it's like your brother. That's all exactly like you. You can't, you fight to the death. So like, how can you hate someone who's so much like you? Well, I mean, for me, that's easy because I hate myself, but forever the people that are healthy (laughs) and and don't have to need therapy anyway. Yeah. Well, Sigmund, the real key to the hate is that, Dallas Cowboy fans are the worst, and that's yes, really it makes it it makes it easy. That's true. Right. That's true. But as part of a Steelers fan base and an Eagles fan base, we don't have a lot of room to talk. Let's move on, Sigmund. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on to the Sunday. Go inside the mind of the Eagles. Yeah, fan right. Exactly. All right, Sunday night football, Sigmund. This is a fun one too, as um, there's a lot of fantasy relevant players in this one, and. Um, I think the Rams are pretty good. We don't know what the Browns are, so the Rams heading into Cleveland to take on the Browns. How do you gauge this one? Yeah, fascinating game here. I don't think Jared Goff has been playing all that well either. You, you, know, you stick with Cooper Cup and, and Woods and Cooks are you know, boom-bust wide receiver three flex types. Gerald Everett, if you have to dig deep for a tight end because Tyler Higby's out. This is the NFL for you. He's coughing up blood. He's not going to miss much time. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, I was like, geez, please. Todd, I know Todd Gurley is going to get his 15 carries and a few touches and at least he'll get goal line carries, but you're diminishing expectations for him. Malcolm Brown week in week out will be what the heck flex. And we'll see when Daryl Henderson gets some kind of run uh, in that offense on the Cleveland side. Yeah. I don't know if Baker Mayfield's any good. I don't know if this offensive line is any good. Uh, certainly the Rams will test them with Aaron Donald, et cetera. Clay Matthews is playing some good ball for the Rams right now. Um, you're going to stick with Odell Beckham. 
the Giants could use him. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Well, how, wouldn't that be nice to have Odell Beckham there? You stick with Nick Chubb. And now, Jarvis Landry, we're not so much trusting. When I watch Rashard Higgins, I'm not saying to play Rashard Higgins, but maybe in a deeper league, go out and pick him up if he's ready to play this week. Remember, two for 46 on the first drive of the first game. Then he got hurt. So there's that chemistry there between him and Baker Mayfield. But yeah, Cleveland, I mean, when you beat the Jets with Luke Falk, they ain't nothing to be proud of. So we don't really know much about them. The Rams, hey, any team that's 2-0 and right now is feeling good. Yeah, tell me about it. I wish my team were to. No. All right, uh, Monday Nighter. I think this will be a quick one segment. This just yeah. sounds like a horrible so game. This is a game that was like 70 nothing or something. Oh, like, God. Yeah, yeah. That, that, this is the 70 nothing, 77 nothing. One of those two. Um, right. Yes. And I'm guessing that uh, the nothing the, nothing is far more likely this time. The Bears in Washington. What do you think? Yeah, I know. It's funny. You know, Miami and the Steelers are going to play on Monday night this year. Oh. I'm sorry to break that to you, but oh. in Miami, the Steelers had one of the worst Monday night games ever in the rainstorm, and then the worst Monday night game ever was the Giants and, and the Vikings. I think it was about six years ago. Josh Freeman basically died oh, on the yeah, field. yeah, I remember that game. That was horrible. That was the worst, that was the worst football game, uh, Monday night game I've ever seen, you know, so this is this game's not going to be that much better. Um, it might not. Um, you know, David Montgomery, this is going to be a good game for him. Of course, you're going to play Allen Robinson every single week. Mitchell Trubisky, like, just let's keep, keep his fragile confidence intact. Let him only throw the ball like 15 times like Kirk Cousins, right? On the Washington side, Terry McLaurin, I mean, he's just going to defy logic and find a way to be relevant every week. That's how good he is. We'll see if Jordan Reed's back. It's not that it matters. You know, Adrian Peterson maybe will score a touchdown before. I don't know. It's Chicago. I mean, that's the thing. The Washington offense has been productive against Philadelphia. Sorry. You know, <laughs> semi, semi-productive semi against Dallas. But this is a whole different thing against Chicago. They're going to sweep the leg. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, I agree with you. All right, uh, now it's that that special time, favorite part of the show. Again, follow Sigmund's work at footballguys.com. On Twitter, at Sigmund Bloom. He's an awesome Twitter follow, both knowledge and, and information and what's going on around the league, but also just deep thoughts, which is why we love to do this. So inside the Soul Sigma Boom, a three-pack of questions this week, Sigmund. And let's start off going with a little inside baseball. We are recording about an hour and a half earlier than we normally do because I have a kid. And it turns out that I had to pick her up at daycare tonight because my wife couldn't. And that inspired me to ask you a question in Inside the Soul of Sigmund Bloom. What is the either most ridiculous or most silly or whatever impediment to your life, and of course, this is, we love our children. This is all yeah. out of love. But what's the most ridiculous impediment to your life that you remember your child causing? Oh, my. This could get, see, this could get really dark. Oh, no. And I don't, and you know, our, we try to keep it light here. Yeah, yeah. Um, because really, there's like stuff I need to like probably go through therapy for because I don't want to get too in-depth here. I mean, I just... Um, See, there's no way for me to talk about this without getting really personal. You know, I, is your audience a nice audience? Am they I are safe a nice here? audience. They're absolutely are safe, safe here? here. Yes, you are definitely yeah. safe here. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, there's there's a much larger conversation. And folks, if you feel like you might have like PTSD from like dealing with the kids, I, here, here's my problem, James. I avoid conflict at all costs, mm-hmm. at all costs. And, I, you know, I'm the kind of person that like, if you're saber rattling, like I'll just say, well, what do you, what do you want? Anything you want. So I don't, we don't have to have conflict. Yeah, I don't care. Sure. I just don't want conflict. And children 
will bash you over the head with that every <laughs> single day of your life. Do you like power struggles? <laughs> Children. Uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it light and I'll say this because I'm speaking a, a little more about I've, I've, I'm, I've been married twice. My son lives with my ex-wife back in Austin, but I've got my, my new wonderful wife, love of my life. Her son uh, is with us and he and this is good. New Orleans is a good city to live in mm-hmm. if you love food. And he, he loves food. But I have to hide anything good that I bring home. <laughs> because if he knows, you know, it's always like, what does Sigmund eat? We eat all the leftover pizza. Why is, well, you know, whoa, Sigmund has a whole lot of candy in his drawer <laughs> beside the bed, you know? Because if, I, if it's out, then I'm going to have to deal with him. That's right? awesome. And they'd be like, then I have to like either feel like I'm a jerk, I'm the asshole for not sharing with him, or... Like that's my good stuff, man. I mean, like, <laughs> so, does that qualify? I think it's perfect. It's perfect. All right, next question, and this one I'm sure will keep light because I don't know if it can really go in too dark a direction. But uh, it came up uh, recently. I, the, I, one of my favorite questions is the uh, like is a random question is the who's your fa- uh, most famous person in your cell phone question. But I want to spin it a little bit and say um, you know we get a lot of cool. Being in the fantasy community, there are a lot of cool opportunities. You get to meet a lot of cool people, talk to a lot of cool people. Who's the coolest person you've gotten to interact with because of what we do? Because of what we do? Well, see, I want to go a whole different direction with this and be like, it's any number of people who nobody has heard of because oh, I, love um, I love that answer. I, you know, I, I haven't answer. really had – okay, well, I'll say this. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit because um, not so much for fantasy – because I don't do a lot of traveling for fantasy and things like that. I'm fine in my home, on my couch, doing my work in my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, um, when I first went off on this football mission, I was also doing a lot of work on the draft. And I was doing the the circle, the circuit of uh, all-star games and things like that. Uh, and it was cool because I loved being up at the crack of dawn, being one of the first people to the stadium, and getting my spot for the practices and things like that. And a lot of the teams coaches assistant coaches like different you would you would learn right away which teams would send which coaches sometimes it would give you a clue of what players they were looking at and things like that and one of the first days i was in el paso at the texas versus the nation game one of the only other people in the stadium when i walked in was mean joe green get out of here as a steelers fan no less oh my and i mean folks Whoa. if you're old remember the commercial yeah you know. of course the underwear and, the whole thing sure and when i say interact i mean at that moment all I really wanted to feel was that I was a, a colleague. You know, we were both just there to work. So I just walked past him and was like, good morning, you know. And he said, like, good morning. And that was it. And it was beautiful. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so awesome. I love that. Um, all right, last question and, and a nice little Steelers lead in. I teased it before, but yeah. we all know you're a Steelers fan. Uh, seems like it's probably Tommy John surgery coming his way, something yeah. like that. Um, very likely the end. Of the Ben Roethlisberger era in Pittsburgh, obviously fraught with some conflict, but also brought you a couple Super Bowl titles. Uh, how do you, you know, assuming it is the end, how do you kind of as a as a Steelers fan, as a Steelers lifer, how do you summarize or have we? You know, yeah. How are you going to think gonna, back about the Ben Roethlisberger era in Pittsburgh? If this was a final a question, like a final exam, James, mm-hmm. I'd be like, you're going to need to give me three or four of those notebooks. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be able to just do, keep it this to one notebook, but I'll try to keep it brief. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're, you're very indulgent. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually like dig into this one a little do bit. What right? you, do what you need, brother. I'm here. Just I'm say, listening. You say, ben, you say Ben Roethlisberger 
and what comes to mind, right? First of all, the Steelers had some Colts-like luck because uh, Roethlisberger, well, back then, the idea was, ooh, a junior, junior quarterbacks don't work out. Mm-hmm. Underclass, look it up, folks. Like 15 years ago, the book was, don't take an underclass quarterback because they don't work out in the NFL. This is that whole thing of they have to have started a certain number of games in college, you know? Yep. Which some people still hold on to. Roethlisberger was excellent in the MAC. Uh, looked terrible against Iowa in his one game against uh, a big conference team. I didn't care. I loved Roethlisberger. And you could actually plot it down the board and see, well, Houston had Carr and Atlanta had Vic. And you could see, and Drags had Leftwich, um, that he was going to have a chance to fall to 11 for the Steelers. And back then it wasn't as much of a foregone conclusion that teams would trade up for a quarterback if they wanted one. Of course, there was the Triants and the Chargers and what happened with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that what two is going to do next year? Ooh, um, that, ooh, that's a right interesting. So, so that even of it itself, in and of itself, was serendipity. And then you know he has the incredible rookie year. He gets in right away. You know the Patriots teach him a lesson. Um, they were like fifteen and, that, and one that year, right, or something like that. Yep, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, they beat, yeah. And the two undefeated teams, I think, were the Eagles and the Patriots, and yep. they beat them both. Yep, I remember. Yep. I remember it. Um, and 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 it it was it was amazing. It was serendipitous. Um, it, it, because of Roethlisberger, Ben Cow, Bill Cowher actually loosened up and let Ken Wisenhunt call some passes on first down. <laughs> so wow! Um, and then you had the amazing Ben Roethlisberger tackle. I mean, it, it made the top 100 plays, and it should have. Um, that was like my hair standing up when I'm thinking about. I aged 10 years during that Steelers Colts game. The oh, Jerome I can Bettis imagine. Fumble, oh, I can imagine. Standard, yeah. missed it. I watched, the best that, I watched that game in Israel. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was doing Birthright, and I was in a bar in Tel Aviv, and I watched that game, and I'll never forget it. How could you even, I mean, you don't even have to explain American football to people when they see that game. Oh, you yeah. You see the emotion. Oh, yeah. It was wild. You know, the, the emotion. Because the Steelers had, had somehow let that game slip away. It was, you know, it was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. I mean, th- everything was there. You know, Troy Polamalu. um, would like had an interception taken away by the refs. Was that the game whenever Ben Ben uh, uh, Peyton Manning waved off the punt team? Yeah, over, I'm, over Tony Dungy. I'm 99. You'll never see that again in another game in your life. You know that the coach sends the punt team off and the quarterback says no, and that's actually what happens. Um, and Roethlisberger's tackle on the Bettis fumble was everything in that game. So you know that's maybe his most lasting moment in the NFL, and that had one of the best montages, James, you will ever see in NFL. Like the director, they did three cuts in a row, and it was Peyton Manning, and he said he missed it. Huh. And it was it was it was uh, Ben Bill Cowher, and Bill Cowher with a big grin is like he missed it. And then they showed Jerome Bettis, and Jerome is like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> the same three words means so much. Uh, and winning that Super Bowl because I was born in 1975, I wasn't old enough to remember the Steelers winning the Super Bowl, and it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was. And then Randall L. to uh, Ward touchdown, the best touchdown of that touchdown pass of the game wasn't even thrown by Ben Roethlisberger. Then there's Roethlisberger to Holmes, which was I was a screaming maniac when that game happened, and those Super Bowls were fantastic. Um, at some a point, everything turned dark, obviously. And I'll say this: um, it's impossible to separate these things as a human being. Mm-hmm. I'll be relieved to root for a Steelers team not quarterbacked by Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I think it's a good it, way to put it. It's a con. It's a moral conflict. I think every week, every year, there's more and more of this layers to the NFL where you can only say, "Well, I'm not going to look at how the sausage is made for long enough before these things creep in." Um, 
And then as I, I kind of teased when we were talking about the game, I think Roethlisberger has been the de facto offensive coordinator. And I think as we've seen, James, what's the name of the game the last three, five years? Offensive coordinators giving tactical edges to their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers haven't been able to do that. And when they do have someone that was Bruce Arians, I still think Roethlisberger probably ran Bruce Arians out of town. I think he ran Todd Haley out of town. I think it was clear that he established himself as the alpha in the organization. And while it might be a long, dark winter for this team to get it back together, my man Eric Stoner says they're going to probably hire Mike McCarthy, which sounds like such a Steelers move. Oh, God. (laughs) Don't do something like that. I mean, we can reboot this franchise, keep intact some of that Steelers way stuff. Because I think you, even if you talk to people inside the league, players, there is a sense of the Steelers way. There is a sense of players that play in other organizations will come to Pittsburgh and say, wow, this is great. You know, a hundred percent. But at the same time, you had the Antonio Brown stuff that brought, I mean, now it was probably two or three months ago. I mean, a month and a half ago, losing track of time, James, where I felt relieved tonight. <laughs> For Antonio Brown. There was a time that we had an appointment. We were all going to meet in Canton when Antonio Brown got inducted. And wow. now I, I don't I don't really even want to have any part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, I miss Troy Polamalu. I miss Heinz Ward. Um, I miss the players that didn't create that conflict. The players that embodied everything that we loved about the Steelers. And you could feel like this is someone you want as a member of the community. Even Mike Tomlin, even though I might bitch about him as a coach. Dude will be out there on he the block. He seems like, like a stand-up dude. Oh, he's totally a stand-up guy. And yeah. if, you lived on, if you lived on his block and it was like a Saturday in the off-season, you might be his cookout in his backyard. You yeah, know what I mean? Like totally. He's that, he is that guy. So I still feel good about Mike Tomlin. You know, I still feel good about that. But, but you know, it's just this is, this is that time, I think, that uh, uh, it's more – football exists in more of that moral gray area, James. I know you and I – you know, have some things where we're kindred souls where it causes a strain sometimes because we, our jobs are to glorify this game and the people that, that play it and coach it and so on. And sometimes that can be difficult. But I'll close this all out by harkening back to the Eagles Super Bowl champ from a couple of years ago yep. saying they did it in love. It's my it's segment. It's maybe my favorite thing about that team that run. There were so yeah. many great things, but to look back on that team and be like, they were a bunch of dudes that I liked, that I wanted to root and for, they loved and they other. loved each other. It really, it did that. It made it way more special. You're absolutely right. So you know, may football continue to bring love into our lives. I love you, James. I love you too, segment. This is uh, awesome, awesome stuff as always, and uh, I I can't wait till next week. Such a pleasure to get to talk to segment every single week so until week four good luck in your week three matchups if you have any questions game day lineup type stuff hit us up on twitter at james Selzer at sigmund bloom and again good luck in your week three matchups and until next week thank you for listening to this week in fantasy week three edition